Good morning. How's everybody this morning? Hallelujah. Well, welcome. Come in and take your seat and let's get started. We got a full morning. I wanted to just uh, greet you this morning and kind of get it started, but I'm going to go minister to the youth and the children this morning, so I won't be in here the whole time, but uh, we got a great lineup and um, it's going to be good. We've got, I think, two or three of our directors speaking this morning in the first hour, and then we're going to have Barry Bennett speaking, which many of you don't know Barry, but he's, um, he's a blessing. You're going to love him. He was a missionary to, here's Barry over here, praise God. And he was a missionary to Chile and then had a Bible school in Dallas. And then he came to work for us and we didn't even know who he was and what he did. He was the one that answered all of our emails and just was a servant. And we heard about him. And I think it was Gary Lukey, the director of the Bible college that invited him to speak. And boy, the first time he spoke, the student stood up and gave him a standing ovation and um, it was great. And so anyway, over the last couple of years, he has become a little bit more and a little bit more, and he's gotten to where he's one of the favorites, and he's now full-time staff. He's actually going to head up our third-year program of training up the pastors. So uh, he's a blessing. And then we're going to have, I think it's Lawson Purdue, third hour. Is that correct? And Lawson Purdue is uh, a pastor... He's the one that I mentioned that received the baptism of the Holy Spirit at 14 when his mother bribed him to come to one of my Bible studies in Lamar, Colorado. And we've been associated ever since then, and he's a blessing. And so you're going to really, really be blessed this morning. So I just wanted to greet you and uh, give an explanation of why I won't be in here. I'll be ministering with the youth. So praise God. So who's first up? Tom and Cindy Boyd. Here they are right here. And they are our directors in Atlanta. And I tell you, they are a blessing. And let me just mention this. They probably won't mention it, but you know, they have been believing God. And I actually heard a testimony that Cindy was on her way home or someplace and there was a wreck. Somebody had been injured. She got out and prayed for him and a man was raised from the dead as she prayed for him. So they're, they're full of faith and power. Here you go. I just want to quickly encourage all of you this morning. I've um, been in here listening to the words that have been shared by everyone and have been encouraged myself. And it's been so wonderful. Um, the thing that was on my heart to share with all of you is something that I heard when I was in school myself out here from a minister. And he said, very simple statement, but it made a huge impact to my heart. He said, don't let the start stop you. That's something that I've reminded myself of over and over. And honestly, if I'd known that I was going to be standing right here <laughs> 10 years ago, <laughs> if I'd known that now, you know, then that I would be standing here, the start uh, might have stopped me. I might have stopped myself from stepping out in faith and trusting God. But it has been a wonderful journey. We are on a daily basis getting to meet people encourage people and love on people and see their lives transformed by the word. Amen. And we are so blessed to be a part of this ministry. And if you're considering being a student at Karis Bible College, I just am excited for you. 
because I know it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful, blessed journey. And who knows, you know, what the next 10 years is going to be like. It's going to be awesome. I know that. So you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. I am a living testimony of that. And I thank God for his strength that does it. I don't have to depend on my flesh. It's his strength that gives me the ability to do everything that he's called me to do, even stand here. So (laughs) praise God. You're all blessed, and I'm excited to hear my husband. Thank you, ma'am. Praise the Lord. You know, I know you don't know me from Adam, and um, so I'm going to tell you a little bit about me. Um, about our story, but, um, 1997, I was riding down the road one day and, uh, I was a home builder in North Carolina and I was riding down the road and I had gotten tired of listening to political radio, uh, all the banter and the bickering and the stuff. And, um, I wanted something different. And so I started listening to, listening to Christian radio and I'd been a Christian for a long time. Uh, since I was a boy, got saved as a boy and learned about the love of God. But um, my relationship with, a God, with God I had grown, um, well, it had gotten dry because I basically had walked out of a relationship with God. Well, anyway, I'm riding down the interstate going to my next job site, and I hear this guy on the radio, of course it's Andrew, and he was ministering from Romans chapter 4, uh, verses 6 through 8. And he was basically just teaching verse by verse these scriptures. In fact, um, we'll just go there and look at them if you want to. But this is what impacted my life and has changed my life. If you want to turn there. Actually, I don't have... Well, actually, I'll just read it from right here instead of turning. But uh, Romans 4, 6. That even as David also describes the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works... Saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. I tell you, I had read through the New Testament many times. And I had skipped over those verses because I couldn't handle them. I couldn't understand it. And I couldn't understand how that he was not imputing my sin unto me because anything, everything I'd always, I'd ever heard or, or what I had taken in from what I'd heard, um, I had put it through a filter that God was always judging me according to my performance. And as I was riding down the road that day and I heard so clearly the gospel that God was not imputing my trespasses to me, you know, it changed my life. And from that point on, I I was hooked on the gospel, you know. Um, I'd been around religion, but I was hooked on the gospel. And the gospel is contagious. It's it's infectious. And when you hear it, you want to hear more of it. And so basically, that was in 1997. In 2002, um, my wife and I came out here to Colorado for an event similar to this. And we were out here. And uh, we were encouraged uh, to step out in faith and believe God. And, and so basically, at, uh, by the end of that weekend, uh, we had already decided that we were coming to Colorado Springs to go to school. 
What was interesting is that we were on the airplane and God had already spoke to our hearts that we were supposed to come to school. And we're on the airplane and I looked over at my wife and I said to Cindy, I said, no, when we go back, when we go back to North Carolina, let's don't tell everybody that we're moving to Colorado. Let's just, let's kind of keep it on the down low. Let's, let's just, uh, let's just, you know, let's just play it down. Let's don't. And Cindy looked at me as she's done several times in our marriage and uh, just spoke words that pierced straight to my heart. And she said, are we going to give place to circumstances or the devil to take away what God has spoke to our hearts? I turned around. I said, wow, sister, that's good. (laughs) You know, and so when we went home, we started telling folks, we're moving. And uh, for, for a boy that lived in the same town for 33 years and for a lady that in the same situation, we had never gone anywhere else. We lived in our same town. And um, that was a big step for us. And it may be a big step for you. But if God's calling you, man, step out. Well, Andrew taught one of the, I was stirred up last night. If you weren't stirred up last night, you probably were not here. Um, wow. You know, God speaks to our heart. What an awesome thing that the God of this universe speak to our heart, encourage us. And then we, we put it away like, like we didn't hear it or, uh, we treat it. So with, with just a nonchalant attitude, man, it's awesome. God speaks to our hearts and he encourages us to step out and do things. You know, and I want to encourage you, man, when he speaks to you, follow that voice. John 10 talks about how that we hear his voice, that we won't hear the voice of the stranger. You know, there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of circumstances. And we get all, all of us get the opportunity to hear the noise, to hear the circumstances. I just want to encourage you. Don't let that stuff get in the way. Stick to what God told you. If he's encouraging you to come to school or if he's encouraging you to start a Bible study, a discipleship group, man, go with it. Run with it. Amen? Man, you've got stuff in you that that people around you need. You know, the only thing I can remember as far as when I first started hearing the gospel, the only thing I wanted to do was begin to share it with others. You know, and that was a desire of my heart straight from the get-go. Uh, when I heard the gospel, I just wanted other people to hear it, you know, and praise God, God knew the desires of my hearts. And now we're, we're in Atlanta. Um, I'm a North Carolina boy and I'm in Atlanta and, um, you know, I wasn't a big fan of Atlanta until God called me there. In fact, uh, six months before God called us to Atlanta to start the school there, Cindy and I were stuck in traffic in downtown Atlanta and, and um, for two hours in a rainstorm. And um, I said, who would ever want to live in this God-forsaken city? <laughs> Literal words. Um, six months later, I wanted to live there. You know why? Because God had put it in my heart. Man, it was in my heart and it was strong. And I couldn't wait to get to Atlanta. And guess what? I love Atlanta. It's my home now. It is my home. I love it. 
And you know what? That's the way it's going to be with you. You step out into what God's calling you to. You step out towards your desires. Praise God. You're just going to love what you're doing. Amen. Praise God. Hey, I want to uh, minister to you just for a few minutes. And um, guys, I don't know how much time I've got, so y'all have to flash a card up um, when you're ready for me to quit because I can't see your fingers. So praise God. You're going to have to wave big then. I tell you, if you want to, turn over to Mark 9, 23. There's four passages, uh, four times in the New Testament that you'll see a passage in Scripture and it'll say, with man, all things are impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Well, three of those instances, um, that's that's, that's exactly how it reads, with man, things are impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And in those cases, that's, that, those are talking about a, coming from a works righteousness mindset, a performance mindset in comparison to a faith mindset, a faith righteousness, a righteousness that comes by faith and believing in God and entrusting yourself unto, unto Jesus and his work. Well, in this instance, it's a little different. <clears throat> in Mark 9, uh, before the verses, uh, before verse 23, um, let me just lay the groundwork. Basically, there's a, a crowd of people. Jesus had sent his people out. He'd sent his, he'd sent his guys out to go do the work of the ministry, to lay hands on the sick and, and, uh, and, and heal the sick and cast out demons. And he had sent them on the way to, to do these things. And they, had done, and they had been out doing these things and having some success. And they came to a situation where they didn't have some, didn't have success. And so the disciples, they're all walking in, uh, they're going towards, towards where Jesus is. And there's a commotion because all the, all the religious people and even the non-religious people, there's a crowd and they're, they're basically looking at, at the, these disciples and kind of, kind of, uh, railing them, you know, and the reason they were railing them, that's where we pick up the story here. In Mark chapter 9, let's see, I'm going to go back to verse 14. And when they came back to the the disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and some scribes arguing with them. And immediately when the entire crowd saw him, they were amazed and began running up to greet him. They're running up to greet Jesus. And he asked them, what are you discussing with them? So Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, what's going on here, guys? And then right at that time, one of the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought, I brought you my son possessed with a spirit, which makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it dashes him to the ground and he foams at the mouth and he grinds his teeth and he stiffens out. And I told your disciples to cast it out, and they could not do it. And Jesus answered and said, O O unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him, and when he saw him immediately, the spirit threw him into a convulsion, and falling to the ground, he began rolling about, foaming at the mouth. 
And he asked his father, how long has it been happening to him? You know, I I love this passage because as you're reading it, there's a huge commotion going on. This boy is flailing around and throwing himself around this, this, uh, he's demonized and he's, you know, he's, he's struggling and, and Jesus, instead of just jumping right in to, um, to take care of the situation, he, um, he just turns over to the dad and says, Hey, how long has he been doing this? You know, I was in Africa one time, I was in Uganda actually preaching in a church and this lady started manifesting a demon and, um, and uh, it was pretty interesting because all the students there at the time, boy, they just, this was five years ago before we had a school there, but all the students jumped down and they're jumping and they're, you know, you come out in the name of Jesus, and, you know, and they're, they're, they're warring as hard as she's flailing. And, uh, but you know, all the, all their warring, uh, wasn't producing anything. Um, and, um, praise God was able to just walk up and say, you know, be gone, you know, and man, she stopped. And, um, but I just think it's so neat that all this is going on and Jesus just looks over at the dad and says, so how long has he, how long has he been doing this? And the man said from childhood, verse 22, and the dad went on and he said, it has often thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, Take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, you know, here this man is. This man's not saved. This man's not a believer. And he looks at, praise God, I'll wrap it up. This man looks at Jesus, grace personified, God in the flesh, And he looks at him and he says, if you can do anything, help us. And Jesus, God in the flesh, grace personified, looks at him and says, if you can. You know, in the King James, verse 23, in the King James, it says, if thou canst believe, you know, that's just... That's just a modern language for saying, if you can. And if you have any other translations, that's exactly what Jesus turns around and he looks at the the man and he says, if you can. You know, you may be up against a circumstance right now. You might be thinking, how in the world can I come to college? How can I come to Bible college? It's in my heart, but how can I do it? And you're looking and you're waiting for God to just do something, you know, supernatural. And you're not, you're just basically putting it off to him. You know, God, if you can do anything, make it work. You know, and I just feel like my message for you this morning, and God's just saying to you, if you can, if you can believe all things are possible to you who believe, you know what? Don't just wait for God to do everything. I tell you, you start stepping out. If God spoke to your heart, if he's speaking to your heart to go to that meeting, if he's speaking to your heart to step out and go to college, then start setting your face. Set your face like Flint and start heading that way. Amen? You know, 
don't, don't wait around. Don't, don't, um, I just want to encourage you. Don't, don't do like I was going to do. Get on the plane back home and, and just basically put away what God had spoke to my heart. You know what? This is the word I want to encourage you with. Jesus, God in the flesh, turns around and says to the dad, if you can, all things are possible. And you know what? The man in, in everything that he had cried out and said, God, I believe. I believe you. Help me. And grace personified right there in, in the midst of him, helped him. He helped him. And the boy was healed. So praise God. I hope that encourages you to step out into what God's calling you to. He's got great things. You'll not, you, there, you have no idea what's going to be. Like Cindy said, in 10 years, you've got, you don't, you don't have a clue to where you can be. And we're, like Wendell's been saying all week, you know, this ministry is growing. We want Bible colleges all over the world. It's so exciting. And you know what? You can be one of those. You could be a Bible college director. You can, you know, but more than anything, praise God, come to school, get your heart established in grace. Hebrews 13, 9 says, for it is good for the heart to be established in grace. And I tell you, I thought I was established in grace before I came to Bible college, but every day I left wild. I left wild. I was excited every day about, you know, God's unconditional love and grace and growing in that. So I tell you, preparation time's not wasted time. Get here. You know, there's a bunch of extension schools. If you can't get here to Colorado, get to an extension school. If you can't get to an extension school, get to the online program or get to the correspondence program. Praise God. Step out. Believe God. Amen. Thank you. Praise God. Awesome. What an encouraging word. Almost makes me want to sign up. <laughs> All right, our next couple, they've come a, a distance to be with us this morning, and we're just blessed to have Grady and Yvonne O'Brien from Belfast, Northern Ireland with us. <laughs> Hallelujah. Good morning. You all awake? Great. All right. I'm going to start out um, just sharing a few things with you this morning to encourage you, hopefully. And uh, one of the things I want to say is uh, it's a little bit like what you were talking about just a moment ago where you were talking about how you were in Atlanta and you were going through in the traffic and saying about this God-forsaken place. When Grady and I went over to Ireland, we thought we were going to be in these this particular area that we had picked out. It was in the south where I'm from originally. And, um, you know, and I had even prayed, God, I will go anywhere for you. I will go anywhere. And then at the end of that sentence, I added on, except Belfast. <laughs> because I grew up in the south and we saw Belfast on television and there was always bombs going off and, and stuff going down. And I just thought it was a terrible place. But um, guess where we are? We're in Belfast. So... Praise God, and it's good, and we love it, and we love the people. Um, 
Many years ago, we went to a meeting in Dallas, Texas, and uh, we met a man by the name of Andrew Womack, and um, our son was with us, Liam, and at that meeting, God spoke to our heart and said, I mean, he pierced our heart and told us that, um, you know, you're waiting on God, well, God's waiting on you, and God used Andrew to speak those words to us, and we left and went to, came up here to um, Colorado, sorry. And before we went and took the next step, which was England and then Ireland, and Liam, our oldest son, was with us at that meeting, and he was filled with the Holy Ghost at that meeting. And he said later when Grady was going to school, I want to be the, ne- the youngest child person to go to Bible school at that college. And this year, Liam is going to go to college here in Colorado. So we have second generation CBC students. Um, Years ago, Liam had an open vision when we were having a dinner party one night. And one of the things that the Lord spoke through him was he was, he was in heaven and um, he was with Jesus and the enemy was outside and the enemy was uh, fearful because it was so bright and it was so light. And he said, we're going to conquer the enemy. And, he, and I said to him, how are you going to do that? Because I was there with him. And he said, with our words. And so the way that we're supposed to go forth is to speak the word and speak the word of truth. So I want to share with you a few things. Um, first of all, you're never too young, really, to go to school. There's no such thing as adolescence. That's not even scriptural. If you have young um, people here that you're thinking um, they might be too young to come here if they're 17 years old. They're not too young to come here. You know, this is a safe environment to come. If you're older in years, come. It's a great place to come. It's a great place for any age to be here and sit under the word of truth, be in a safe environment, be encouraged. It's like iron sharpening iron where you're building each other up. And really the college is a language school. It's a a school where you learn to speak God's heart. And it's not just your, your mind that's renewed, but it's out of the abundance of your heart that your mouth speaks, it says. And when you learn the language of God's heart, When you sit under the word and you apply it and you start speaking forth the truth, you will be able to speak, not only change your own life, but you'll be able to speak into other people's lives and see their lives changed as well. There is a scripture that says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. I want to show you an illustration in a moment of that. But first of all, I want to tell you a story. I was studying um, all about words and how words affect you and how they affect other people. And um, Grady had been to church with Aiden. He had been in the kids' church. And Aiden is our six-year-old. And um, they had come back and they had these little pots of seeds and they were all excited. They were going to grow these seeds. They were onion seeds. And they put them on the windowsill. And one said Grady on it. And the other one said Aiden. And so I was looking at those. And I thought, man, you know, life and death are in the power of the tongue. And um, we will have what we say. And so I sort of looked around and thought, you know, I'm going to try a little experiment here. So I didn't want to curse Aiden's seed. And I, I wouldn't curse Grady normally. But... Um, <laughs> 
But I thought, I wonder what would happen if I spoke over these seeds, life over one and death over the other. So every morning I would come down into the kitchen and I would water them. They had plenty of light. They were both in the same place. But I would take Aiden's seed and I would just love these seeds and tell them, you are awesome. You are going to grow into a mighty plant. You're going to be lush and fresh and healthy and vibrant. And I just kept doing it every day. And Grady's seeds, I would go, you're nothing. You're never going to amount to anything, you know. But I would do it privately so the other seeds wouldn't hear. But, but the point is, <laughs> praise the Lord. But, and, and Grady has forgiven me, so don't, you don't need to pray for him. Um, <laughs> he still loves me. But so anyway, I'm doing this one morning. I'm going, you're nothing. You're a loser. You're never going to amount to anything. And Liam walked in the door. He goes, Mom, are you okay? <laughs> he goes, what are you doing? And I said, I'm just having a little... Uh, experiment here, you know, and I'm practicing. He goes, great. Can I do it? I said, sure. Knock yourself out. But this is the one you curse and this is the one you bless. Well, could you pull up the illustration a couple of weeks later? Okay. Can you see Aiden's name written on the left-hand side here? Those are the seeds that I spoke life over. And on the right, those are the puny seeds. And if you see that yellow there, those are the seeds that didn't even sprout at all. And the interesting thing about this experiment was um, when I smelled both of them, the ones on the left, the healthy ones, smelled really green and fresh, and the ones on the right were toxic. They smelled so foul. And so that that really encouraged me. That showed me something. Grady still smells good, by the way, but um, (laughs) that... um, you know, there's a, there's a story about Mary and Martha, and, and it's in, um, let me just get my glasses on here and read it to you. And it came to pass that as they went, that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was, was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. You could put your name there. I could put my name there. You know, we can be so busy doing what we're doing, but I believe that two years is nothing when you think about your whole life and what you have in front of you. Martha, it said, Martha, Martha, you are careful and troubled with many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary has chosen that good part. And you know, I think there's one thing that's needful for all of us, that we have time to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to his heart and listen to what he has to say to all of us. Um, And I I would encourage you, there are so many things, instead of just walking by that table when you leave the door here, stop by and pick up one of these or pick up, they have information about night school, talk to any of the directors from any of the other schools. There's correspondence, like Tom was saying. There's so much that you can do 
There's, so, there's no reason why anybody couldn't be blessed by being here. There's no reason why anybody can't sit under the word. You can stay home and do it through the online Bible school. So I just encourage you to just take a step in the right direction. Just pick up an application and um, start the process and let the Lord minister to your heart. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, morning, everybody in Colorado Springs. It's great to be here because uh, we don't get a lot of sunshine where we live and, and our plants don't all thrive as you just saw. But um, my name is Grady O'Brien. I r- run the Belfast School with my wife, Yvonne, and Karis Bible College Belfast. And I just want to share with you guys just quickly because we're on a time restraint here. And the, the thing that I always like to share with people is each one of us in this room, you guys are full on because you're here on a, you know, weekday in Colorado Springs. You're not climbing, you know, the kissing camels or something. You're all here to hear the word and to, you know, talk about Jesus and, and receive the word of God. And, and it's awesome. And the thing that I always like to point out to people is each one of us represents a a sphere of influence of people that we can influence. And I think Andrew made reference to it on Monday that we can influence people's lives in our own lives. And sometimes, you know, the devil doesn't want us to realize that we can influence people's lives by our own lives. And when you go out and talk to other people and encourage other people, I always tell the guys in Belfast, put a face on Jesus because, you know, religion stinking the world over and everybody is tired of it. I was talking to a man today, this morning, and he said, man, I just, I'm from Southern Illinois and I just heard this message a year ago. I'm partnering with Andrew. And if you're not a partner with Andrew, you should partner with Andrew and Jamie. These guys are awesome. They're the real deal. And they really do live what they, they preach. And so if you're not partnering with them, I, I, I definitely strongly suggest you do that. But the thing is, is, um, you know, you have the ability to influence people's lives. And sometimes, you know, it was Thomas Aquinas, I think, that said, you know, we spread the gospel and sometimes we use words. And people, you know, as believers, people don't see Jesus, you know, on the streets of Colorado Springs, on the streets of Belfast, on the streets of Jacksonville, Florida, wherever, wherever you are. It's like people don't see Jesus. And when they see Jesus in us, they start asking questions and they start giving you the ability not to have your little 10 scriptures you're going to force feed them with, but where you actually share with them the love of God. And they go, why haven't I ever heard this? And, you know, I always say to the students and anybody that's listening that, um, you know, the gospel, the word gospel means nearly too good to be true news. So if I'm at the checkout at Tesco's or wherever, I always say, you know, people, I wait until they ask me the question, what do you do for a living? I say, I'm a minister. They say, Wow. And I say, I know, you know, most people look at me and they go, you're a minister. I say, yeah. I say, uh, do you know what the word gospel really means? And lots of folks look at you and they go, I don't know. And I say, it means a nearly too good to be true news. Have you ever heard of such a thing? And I only have one lady at the Tesco's on the Woodstock road that told me, I know what that is. And that's out of loads of people that I talked to that said to me, I know what the, the nearly too good to be true news is. So the, the ability that each one of us has to influence people, to encourage them, to seek, you know, I always turn people on to Andrew's program. I say, man, this guy gives away, you know, programs and all the material for free. And that always is, is bait for people because they think, you know, most preachers are out to get your money or whatever. But I say, he just gives away, get on his website, go look and, you know, and people end up, 
getting hooked up with the ministry. There's people I've met here that have only been involved with this ministry for one year, you know. So there's other people that you can influence, guys, to influence all the schools. You know, when you, when you uh, get involved with this ministry, you're getting involved with, as you're seeing, all the different schools around the world. And it's, it's really awesome. I mean, we're, <clears throat> I would not be here today, guys. I, I didn't really, you know, see the proof. I'm from Dallas, Texas, primarily. And, uh, you know, I didn't see a lot of, I saw a lot of religion and I saw a lot of hypocrisy, but when I met Jesus for the first time and just got radically saved, everything's, you know, changed for me. And then I, you know, met this guy, uh, Andrew Womack in, in Stevie Ray Vaughan's neighborhood in, in Oak Cliff, Texas, and, you know, had my life changed forever. And, you know, Andrew said, Yvonne made reference to, um, you know, are you waiting on God? Yeah, I'm waiting on God. And he said, maybe God's waiting on you. And it was like a bow and arrow hit me in the heart. And I went, you know what? Maybe God is waiting on me. And I realized that I've got to get out of the boat. I have to, I can't rely on somebody else. I can't, you know, some of y'all are relying on somebody else to be your Holy Ghost. You got to rely on God for yourself and just go for it. Step out of the boat, be bold, you know, just don't, don't sweat it. It's a step. Everything's a step. If you saw the whole picture, you'd probably freak out and not want to get out of bed, but just take steps. It's just one step at a time. And as all these, you know, people you're going to hear all this week share with you that over and over, you will uh, just be encouraged to just keep going for it. So, you know, our school, we, we, um, all the schools we go and we've been taught and we turn around and teach others. You know, our, our job as believers, we're all called to ministry. We're all called to minister one to another. And each one of us, you know, while you're in, here in the Springs, I just challenge you to pick up a prospectus, as Yvonne was saying. You know, maybe you're a grandpa or grandma or, you know, mom or dad. You know, influence somebody else in your life. Influence a grandchild, a, a son or a daughter. You know, Thursday we're going to have a meeting here. You know, just come. We One of our first-year students, Carol, she came with a friend, said, I just came with a friend. Well, she ended up, her friend bailed, and she stayed and came to school. She's an awesome, she's out there ministering to her church. She continues to minister to all the people at her church. We've had so many awesome students that just have come through the school. Joe Blow Believer, they left supernaturally, and they're, they're out impacting people in Northern Ireland and Southern Ireland and the rest of the world. And, and you'll hear it over and over from all the different uh, directors of the schools. And it's just awesome guys. So you're, you're part of something. It's no coincidence you're here. So just hear the voice of God and you'll be encouraged later on the week with all the different teachings and whatnot. So just go for it. I'm here to tell you that if I went for it, any of you can go for it. You have no excuse, you know, and as far as finances go, I'll close with this. I owned a restaurant with my sister in Dallas, Texas. We owed the IRS $650,000 And I wasn't going to leave the business with my sister having all that debt. You know, brother wonderful leaving and saying, God's calling me to somewhere else. So I said, um, I just said, you know what? I know God's going to clear this debt. And I just believed God and my wife believed God. And we got cleared of all that debt. I'm not suggesting that you steal from the government. That's basically what I did. And I'm not suggesting that, but I'm saying that Believe God for whatever your situation is. Maybe somebody told me they had $15,000 that they had debt. And Yvonne says, well, did he, Grady ever share his testimony? 650, 15,000 seems like nothing. Andrew's 40 million is like nothing. You know, it's a done deal. So we're, I just encourage you guys, don't let money stop you. Don't let your dogs or your family stop you, you know? So hallelujah, bless you.
Awesome. Awesome couple. You know, sometimes we, uh, we fail to recognize people who are real heroes. And uh, we see the movie stars and the sports figures and, and what have you. But you know the people that are really the heroes we are to celebrate are the people who've really laid their lives down for the Lord to do what God has called them to do. And I'm just uh, so proud of all of our directors that have left whatever they were doing in life and heard what God said to do and stepped out by faith and are doing it. And, uh, you know, they could have remained comfortable in Dallas, had a good business going, and Yvonne was a successful hairdresser, even used to cut Troy Aikman's hair. And for those of you that are not educated, he was the star quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. (laughs) And, you know, America's team. And... uh, (laughs) But, you know, they, they, uh, they pulled up and moved to Belfast, Northern Ireland, and uh, uh, they're doing a great job there. And we, we just got these stories all over, and, you know, Tom and Cindy sharing about moving to Atlanta. It, it's, uh, God just wants you to get out of your comfort zone and watch what he can do when you commit your life to him. Just step out in faith. Next couple we want to introduce, they've done the same thing. And uh, they're originally from North Carolina, but now they're in Belize. And so, Craig and Tina, if you'd like to come up and share what's happening in our school down in Belize, let's give them a good welcome. Not that many years ago, I didn't even know Belize existed. Thank you. Actually, we didn't know it existed either until about seven months before we moved there. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? And uh, I could really relate to what Yvonne was saying and, and uh, Tom too. Uh, whenever we knew that we were going to Belize, uh, I remember saying, sure, I don't mind going to Belize everywhere but Belize City. And because we have five children and uh, the crime is worse in Belize City. That's like the, the, the worst spot, you know, the the most dangerous spot and being a mother, what does a mother want to do, but make sure her children are safe. And, uh, where are we? We're in Belize city, but you know what? There is no place safer and no place more exciting than right in the center of God's will. Amen. Amen. No, we just want to share one verse with you. That's really meant a lot to us, uh, this year. And, um, in Isaiah 60, verse 1. It says, Arise, shine, for the glory of your Lord is risen upon you, or for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. In Isaiah 60, there's a command. It says to arise. It says, Get up. Put action to your faith. Don't stay complacent. Don't stay, don't stay seated. And when you rise, it says you shine. I like to think of it like a, um, a light switch. The power's there, but you don't see the light until you flip it on. When you rise up, when you step out in faith, you start to shine. And it says, it's not you that's shining, it's Jesus in you. It says, for, for the light, your light has come, the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. In that verse, the, the glory of the Lord is risen upon you, you know, it means that shoot, you're shooting forth the beams of the glory of God. You know, and a picture for that would be like an event center, a coliseum that has this spotlight 
that's shooting its beam back and forth through the sky. What's the purpose of that? It's to draw people to it, to draw people to that event. We shine to draw people to Jesus. That's our purpose, to, to reflect Jesus. We're reflectors. It's his, it's his light that we shine. We reflect in this world. And so part of us, the purpose is to draw men to Jesus Christ. Another thing, living in Belize, we live on the, on the coast. We have a um, lighthouse there. That lighthouse has a beacon light that is shining forth. You know, that a lighthouse, the purpose is to warn. See, we, we also, our light shines in dark places to warn people. You know, you need, to, you need to come, come to the light. You don't stay there. You know, this, if you stay in darkness, it's going to destroy you. It's going to hurt you. So we draw people to Christ, our light. We reflect. It's to draw people out of the darkness, to warn them. Several months ago, when we was in Belize, my sons and I, we hired a fisherman and his boat to go take us fishing. Well, the boat was probably about 17 feet long. It's an open boat. They call it a Mexican skiff. Very small engine on the back. And we went out about 18 miles off the coast. Now, I could always see something like mangrove upcroppings. So there was, there was land, but you know, just little islands, uh, deserted. But we were fishing, and this fisherman got over a school of fish, and we were line fishing. He was pulling fish in two at a time. We was just catching an amazing amount of fish, and we stayed out there. See, fish for a fisherman equals money. And that, he, he goes, man, I'm, I've hit the jackpot. So we stayed out there 18 miles out all day until the evening. I saw the sun go down and the, the moon start to come up. You know, we were out 18 miles in the dark till after dark. So we had to make our way back. And the only thing, thank goodness he had a flashlight. You know, they had a little flashlight on the front that one of my sons held. And we'd have to go between some of these mangrove uh, openings. And we, we was holding that light to make sure he didn't run over something with the prop. But on our way in, I finally saw the light of the city. I'll tell you what, that did my heart good. Man, I said, man, I'm going to be on dry land soon. So not only do we draw men, not only do we warn people, but we give hope. We bring hope to people. Our light shining in dark places brings hope. And that's what I want to encourage you. You know, I never thought that I'd be standing here. I never thought that I'd be, you know, directing a Bible college. I grew up in the same small town that Tom and Cindy came from. I'd never left that county in all my life until we moved our family, my, my wife and five children out here to Colorado. And you know what? I had plenty of opportunity to stop. There was plenty of opportunity to, to quit and not do this. Similar to Tommy's situation, we didn't tell a lot of people. We told Tom and Cindy to pray about it, and we knew he was coming. But I'd not told my father. My father's business been in business for 45 years. And right after I told Tom and Cindy that I think we're coming out here, I'd not told my dad yet. He goes, I'm going to retire this year and give you the business. So we had plenty of opportunity to to keep us from coming. But see, we'd set our our face like flint because we knew we'd heard God. This is where I want you to be. I'd never moved out, you know, same way with Belize. We knew that we heard God, you know, this is where I want you. And we had plenty of opportunity to 
pack our bags and come back. You know, the devil will come against you when, when you're doing God's will. That, that message last night from uh, Andrew really encouraged me. You know, stay in that storm because deliverance is coming. You know. We have um, six students that uh, are in Belize right now this year, and they are awesome. They're just like the best students. And um, we, you know, it's the awesome thing that Craig said, you know, about shining. The moon doesn't work to reflect the sun. And, and when you walk in a relationship with God, you don't work at it. It just happens. You're walking in a relationship, and, and you're one with the Father, and you just shine. And um, our students, oh, they're just wonderful. We had four students who were baptized in the Holy Spirit. We have six students total, so four of those were baptized in the Holy Spirit this year. And we got to water baptize one of those students. And uh, the neat thing about the water baptism with this student was um, when we uh, went to the river uh, to do the baptism and have church and and fellowship, she um, had brought her two daughters. And she was telling me, she said, my oldest daughter, who's 19, didn't want to come. I had to force her to be here. She's fed up with religion, fed up with church. She doesn't want to go anymore. And uh, we just had a wonderful, wonderful service at the river. And when it was time to baptize, we baptized one of our sons who's 17 and we baptized um, this student and Craig opened it up to see if anybody else wanted to be baptized. And this girl went out and said, I want to be baptized. And Craig talked with her and she's born again. And so not only was this girl baptized, but her relationship, uh, not her relationship with the Lord was restored and her relationship with her mother was restored. So, you know, we're seeing healing and families and um, we have one student who, when we first started school, um, I had asked him to, like the first night of class, I'd asked him to read a scripture for me. And he flipped through his Bible and was, and he read the scripture. Well, we found out two weeks later, he actually didn't read the scripture. scripture. He was quoting it from memory. His eyesight had was going. He had diabetes and high blood pressure, and he was in really, really poor health. But you know what? He was totally healed, not because we laid hands on him and prayed for him. What happened is he got a revelation of the word and who God is and what Jesus Christ has done for him and what salvation means. And he, and he's healed, totally healed, set free. That's just one of the awesome, that's just two of the awesome things that God's doing down there. And we are expecting more. We've got a good foundation laid and we're excited about going back down to Belize and the, the awesome things that uh, God's going to be doing down there. So, you know, just like everyone else has shared, I want to encourage each and every one of you, if you have any inkling in your heart to, to go to a Bible school, it's not the devil that's putting that in you. It's God's putting that desire in your heart. Don't let anything, situation stop you from, from following through on that. It's changed my life. You know, I'm established in, in how much God loves me. I know that God loves me independent of my performance. You know, and... You know, that's, that's probably the greatest thing is this school has been a discipleship school, just like Andrew's heart is. You know, we've been discipled into who we are in Christ. And that's, in all the schools, that's our heart is to get you to know your identity in Christ, to know that, you know, it's based on a relationship. It's not based on religion. And, you know, I want to just encourage you, each and every one of you are a light that shines. When you step out, you shine. And each and every one of you have influence on your family. You have influence on people you work with. And you, you are that light that will shine to draw them to Jesus Christ. So just thank you. All right.
hostile. Okay. Yes, yeah. hostile. Okay. okay. Yeah. yeah, we had um, uh, two mission teams come down this year from uh, one from from here in Colorado and one from Atlanta. And what was really neat about our mission teams is that the first team was really um, is it's amazing how God prepared them to lead people in salvations. That first mission team had over fifty salvations, and one of them was uh, in a youth hostel. And uh, there were children; people were coming up. Youth hostel is like a prison for teenagers. They could have committed anything from theft to murder, and uh, all. We had 50 salvations. I think it was, was it 30 at this youth hostel? And well, then the second mission team that came down was from Atlanta. Well, this mission team, the neat thing about them is they were prepared for baptism of the Holy Spirit. So it followed through. You know, people come down on mission trips and they think, oh, I am... you know, I, I'm leaving. I just started this thing and here I am leaving it. I'm not going to get to follow through. But you know what? One thing to think about is, well, we're still there. And we get to follow through with it. And even if we don't get to, God is still there. And uh, he used this Atlanta mission team to follow up what the Colorado mission team started. So it was a, an awesome experience. Praise God. This is what's exciting about our schools. They work together. We send mission teams from one school to another school. And we're just seeing this thing just explode around the world. And uh, once again, we don't apologize for it. We're looking for people who will just turn their lives over to the Lord and come to one of the schools and get get that uh, established to who you are in Christ, who he is in you, and see what he has for you next. So we, we make no apology for recruiting because we see the fruit in people's lives. And so uh, tomorrow, right after the morning session, right, right out the back door across the hall, we'll be having an informational meeting for the Bible school. We'll be giving more information about the curriculum, the instructors, uh, what happens in the second year with the mission trips and, and all of the good things that God has uh, helped us to establish. And, and once again, every year it just gets better and better and the best is yet to come. And I tell the students and I tell the directors and I even share with Andrew that what's happening in our Karis Bible Colleges around the world is bigger than anything that we can see right now because the lives that are being impacted, you never know what they're going to do. There may be another Billy Graham in one of these schools and, and, and what's happening is so much bigger than any of us can really grasp right now. But we're so excited about what God is doing.